0: Today is February 18th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so grateful to be here with you once again. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you continue to show up here. It feels so incredibly reassuring, encouraging, and just comforting. To know that there are people in this world who are not my family, not my close friends, but genuinely care about me, my work, and my worth. Like, I really do feel like I belong here, you belong here, and we belong together. And I am just deeply thankful. And I just want you all to know that I never take it for granted. The fact that Number one, God is watching and God is listening, but also that you're here and you're listening and that you are coming back each day because you feel like you're getting value out of this. And so, again, I am just, I'm thankful you're here. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 1 through chapter 7 verse 27, New King James Version. Laws about the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the sin offering. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it, and swears falsely, in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely, He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. The law of the burnt offering. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night long until morning and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen trousers he shall put on his body, and take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar, it shall never go out. The Law of the Grain Offering This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it his handful of the fine flour of the grain offering with its oil and all the frankincense, which is on the grain offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. All the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord." Everyone who touches them must be holy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed, one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons, who is anointed in his place, shall offer it. It is a statute forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned. For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. The Law of the Sin Offering Also, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten, in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy, but no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place, shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. The Law of the Trespass Offering Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering. And its blood he shall sprinkle all around on the altar, and he shall offer from it all its fat." the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy." The trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also, every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest's who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. The Law of Peace Offerings This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mixed with oil unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering, and from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering." The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it also may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, an unclean animal, or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people." Fat and blood may not be eaten. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat, and the fat of an animal that dies naturally, and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts, may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord The person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether of bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Mark chapter 3 verses 7 through 30 A great multitude follows Jesus. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. The Twelve Apostles And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. A house divided cannot stand. Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, He cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. The Unpardonable Sin Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. Psalm 37 verses 1 through 11 The Heritage of the Righteous and the Calamity of the Wicked A Psalm of David Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Proverbs chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So today, I want to talk about what we read from the Psalter. Psalter is another way of referring to the collection of Psalms. Since we've started, other than an overview, I don't think I've ever commented on the Psalms. So now that we are versed in the reasons for the Levitical law and what its implications are for us today, and we're crisscrossing already covered territory in Mark's biography of Jesus, we can start delving into some of these Psalms and Proverbs. Let's go back to the beginning of Psalms, Book 1. Remember, Psalms is a book of poetry that is divided into five books. In the first Psalm of Book 1, the author, who is anonymous, tells us, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I think there's a major key here, but like so much of the Bible, some of the meanings are obscured. And to get it requires deeper, more thoughtful examination and connection with other biblical content, So let's see if we can analyze these ideas to uncover some truth that will add to our growing tome of spiritual knowledge and insight. First, let's look at verse two. They delight in the law of the Lord. So there's a Levitical connection there. The word delight in the Hebrew has several related meanings including desire, pleasure, and purpose. They desire the law of the Lord. They find pleasure in the law of the Lord. They find purpose in the law of the Lord. They, according to the text, are those who are blessed with a heightened state of joy and happiness because they've experienced very favorable circumstances, often resulting from the kind acts of God. Okay, that's good, but let's keep going. The Hebrew spelling of the word law there also has several meanings, including the Torah. We know the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. It also refers to the Mosaic laws, God's instructions, and more generally, teaching and instruction. One more Hebrew word, meditate, to utter a sound, the act of thoughtful deliberation with the implication of speaking to oneself. Okay, so now let's see if we can put this all together. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The psalmist is telling us that there are four ways to live our lives and that we should choose one of these. We can, one, Follow the advice of the wicked, which means we listen to those who are evil, those who have no moral, ethical, or spiritual integrity and have no regard for godliness. I don't know why any of us would do that, but clearly some people do. Two, stand around with sinners, which means to just go along with whatever everyone else is doing and or allow yourself to be influenced by those who define good and evil On their own terms, doing what is right in their own eyes. Wait till you guys start seeing how often we're going to see that in scripture with these children of Israel. And number three, join in with mockers. And that Hebrew word there connotes babblers. You know, those kinds of people, the ones who know everything, have an answer for everything, just want to hear themselves talk. But there's no real depth or substance when they speak. Or four, We can find our purpose, pleasure, and delight through daily and nightly meditation, which means meditating regularly and consistently. That is not just reading or hearing the word, but sitting with it, reflecting on it, saying it out loud. And if you've ever done a guided meditation where there's a mantra that you repeat throughout the meditation, this is the same idea. We should utter the scriptures, literally say them aloud, but to ourselves the way we do with our affirmations. But unlike our affirmations, where we speak truths as we believe them to be possible, speaking directly to an outcome, habit, behavior, or mindset that we either desire or that we already possess but need to reinforce, with scriptures, we are speaking the truth as it already is sealing it in our hearts for the nourishment of our souls. Meditating on God's instructions, His teachings, His Word, should be a habit where we are mindfully engaged in thoughtful deliberation, a ritual of recitation to receive revelation that we practice every day for the rest of our lives. That is, if we want to be like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season whose leaves never wither, prospering in all we do, which is the imagery we see in verse 3. The metaphor in this part of the psalm connotes a strong, healthy person, somebody who is stable, steady, and solid. She is not easily moved in the face of adversity because her faith is deeply rooted in God. Trees planted along riverbanks are watered by the flowing current Their leaves never wither because they are continually receiving life-giving sustenance. So too is this reader and meditator of God's word. He regularly bears fruit, which is the biblical idea of producing when it's time to produce. The Bible tells us that when we fellowship with Him daily through thoughtful deliberation on His Word and stay attuned to the Spirit, relying on Him to order our steps, not leaning to our own understanding, but taking our directions literally from Him, He will bless everything we take on. We will be prosperous, prolific, and successful in our purpose and our passions because we are in continual communion and communication with our Creator." this image is someone who is living a full, abundant, and purposeful life. He is not just existing but thriving. We want to be one of those people. But back to the original point about the four ways the psalmist is saying we can go about our lives. I didn't forget. I'm sure you can see that the first three choices are not going to get us anywhere. So the answer here is obvious. But now let's connect that with the scripture that we read today. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That came from verses 3 and 4 of the psalm we read today. There's the word delight again. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Here's what the psalmist knew about human nature, what God knows about humankind we have desires. We want stuff. It varies from person to person and ranges from the material to the immaterial. Some of us want to travel the world whenever we want. Others of us want a home big enough to have all our kids and grandkids over at the same time, and everybody has a seat. We have all kinds of requests, and they're not all spiritual, and that's okay with God. As a matter of fact, God wants to bless us with some of those things, But what God knows also is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That, according to Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So... Do you see a pattern, do you see a connection, the link between delighting in the law of the Lord and receiving the desires of our heart? Apart from God, these hearts can't be trusted. The Word of God, the teaching of God, gives everything in life meaning and purpose. It keeps us in check and serves as a compass that keeps us from getting lost and wilding out in our own wilderness situations. And it can be wild out here, which is why we need daily meditation with the Word of God. We desire what we delight in. We desire more of whatever we find delight in. If you love to read, you desire more books. If you love sugar, you desire more sweets. If you love to travel, wanderlust is real. You desire more chances to gallivant, globe trot, and get some R&R. If you find delight in worldly pleasure and entertainment, however, then that becomes your focus. You'll find yourself seeking more of that. And then that becomes a dangerous path toward distraction and destruction. But you know where I'm going. If we delight ourselves in the word of God, which is right and perfect and holy, then we'll desire more of him then he knows and we know that our desires are pure because they are sourced from the will and wealth of God's flawless ways, will, and wisdom. And when our desires are pure, it brings us into a place where God can trust us. He can give us those desires because he knows they're not in opposition to his purpose, but rather they will serve it. And now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the power of it. It is perfect and holy and pure, just like you are. I pray that as we read it and study it and meditate on its truth, that we would be filled with your spirit, that our hearts would be turned toward you in love and praise and Adoration so that we can abide in you and you can dwell within us. Help us to delight in you and in your word as often as possible so that our desires may be pure and your desires for us will come to fruition because they harmonize with what you've called us to do Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, illuminating the way to our divine destiny in you. We pray that the more we utter your words back to you, the more we are drawn into a place where we can know the satisfaction of the greatest desire we can ever hope to have, and that is to know you more intimately, to live and breathe in your presence, to be with you, the one who knit us together in our mother's womb, who knows us better than we know ourselves and loves us more than we can ever understand. And one day, dear Heavenly Father, we hope to behold your face and spend not just a few moments out of every day with you, but all of eternity in your presence. But for now, prick our hearts so that we take the time to say your words back to you. Help us to seek out those things that are pleasing in your sight so that we might be found worthy of entering your heavenly hearth where you live and rule with all power and glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things. Amen. And our affirmation for today Note to self, I am going to make you so proud. And our aphorism, you will become as small as your controlling desire, as great as your dominant aspiration. That's all I have for you today. Thank you once again for being on this adventure with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.